Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Christmas is a time of giving and receiving gifts. And this morning, we received an early Christmas gift, not wrapped in paper and bows, but this song, Mary Did You Know, wrapped in the beautiful voice of Mary Newfang. So let's thank her once again. This song, Mary Did You Know, has an interesting backstory. In 1984, a singer-songwriter named Mark Lawrie was asked by his pastor if he would write the script to the church's Christmas program. And so these questions, Mary Did You Know, were part of that script. But after the program was over and the Christmas season had passed, these questions kept tugging on his heart and he knew that they needed to become the lyrics to a song. And so for several years, he tried to find just the right melody that would match those words, and he just couldn't find it. Well, seven years later, in 1991, he's touring as a member of the group called the Gaither Vocal Band. And he's on a tour bus with a fellow member called Buddy Green, who is a songwriter. And so he took his lyrics and he said, Buddy, could you come up with some music? that would match these words. And it didn't take long for Buddy to be inspired. And he came up with the music, the music to this song that as we hear it, that music stirs our hearts. While the words of that song, those questions of that song, compel us to think about the wonder and significance of this miraculous moment in history. This song, with all of its questions, takes this miraculous event beyond the context of a story that we read in the Bible and retell every December, and it compels us to reflect upon this moment when the life of a young girl was changed dramatically, how this event impacted her life and in turn has impacted our lives even today. And so this morning, let's turn to the scriptures to see what answers we can find to this question, what did Mary know? But before we do that, I think it's helpful if we lay the groundwork by answering this question, what do we know about Mary? And this is one thing we know about her, that she lived in a town called Nazareth. It's about 15 miles uh, west of the Sea of Galilee in the northern part of Israel. And it's just a small town. It probably had a population of between 200 and 400 people. It was a humble town. In fact, fellow Jews, those who lived in Israel, they really regarded Nazareth as kind of this inconsequential backwater place. One of Jesus' own disciples, when he first heard about Jesus and he was told that Jesus was from Nazareth, his derogatory response was this, What good can come out of Nazareth? You see, there were no palaces, there were no bathhouses, there were no paved roads, there was nothing politically or geographically or economically noteworthy about Nazareth. It was just this small town, humble people trying to eke out a living, pay their taxes, and live in peace in a country that was dominated and ruled by the Romans. But what Nazareth did have was a synagogue. And there in the synagogue, the local priest would come 
and he would open up the ancient scrolls of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He'd open the scrolls of the prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and Mary, along with all the other Jews in Nazareth, they would gather in the synagogue and they would listen to the word of God being read. So we know where Mary lived, and we know that she was betrothed to a man named Joseph. And you see, in those days, under the Jewish cultural traditions of the time, that meant Mary was probably between the ages of 14 and 16 when she became betrothed to Joseph. And to be betrothed in this culture meant much more than being engaged does today. It meant that Mary and Joseph had entered into a marriage covenant, a marriage contract, where they were pledged to each other as husband and wife. In fact, that's how they viewed themselves, how their parents viewed them, the community viewed them. But you see, they didn't go on a honeymoon and they didn't live together as a married couple at this time. You see, as a betrothed couple who, whose marriage and that covenant had been arranged by their parents, they now would go back and live in their parents' home. Joseph would go back, and during this time of betrothal, a betrothal period that would last up to a year, he would take this time to make a place where he and Mary would live. Mary, she would live in her family's home and prepare herself for the day when there would be this wedding ceremony, this wedding feast. And it would be at that time that the marriage would be consummated and they would live together as husband and wife. And you see, it is during this betrothal period that Mary experiences this miraculous encounter that we read about in Luke. It was in the sixth month that the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And this is significant, that his lineage went back to King David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this must be. She was understandably perplexed. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. In this miraculous moment, Mary didn't know that her son one day would walk on water or heal the deaf and the blind or calm the storm with his hand. But she did know what the angel declared. In that moment, she knew that God's favor was upon her and that God had a divine plan for her, her life that he had chosen her to bear a son who would be known as the Son of the Most High. In other words, she heard the angel declare that she was going to bear a son and he would be known as the Son of God. So Mark Lowry asked this question in this song, Mary, did you know that when you kissed the face of your little baby that you were kissing the face of God? Well, I believe what she did know is that she was kissing the face of the Son of God because that is what the angel declared. So she knew 
that she would bear this son. And then the angel said, you are to name him Jesus. Now in those days, a name, the name that you gave a child was significant. You just didn't name a child or choose a name for a child because it sounded good. You looked at the meaning. The meaning was significant. For instance, the name David meant beloved. Elijah carried the meaning of the Lord is strong. And the meaning of Jesus, it carried the meaning the Lord saves. And perhaps this is why the name Jesus was a common name at that time for a boy to be named. Because I think a parent wanted to, that child to declare that yes, the Lord saves. It was a common name. But what was uncommon, what was unique, what was miraculous, and what would have been significant to Mary is that this time, this name Jesus was not a name she was choosing for this miraculous son, but rather this was the name chosen by Almighty God for the son she would bear. It was a chosen name that was delivered to her by an angel. This name Jesus the Lord saves was chosen by God the Father to be the name of God the Son's humanity. Now I don't believe in this moment that Mary knew that the Savior, the kind of Savior Jesus would be, the Savior that we have come to know, that one day he would go to the cross and bring redemption to mankind. But perhaps what she did believe was that this miracle son would somehow, some way, bring salvation to her people because God Almighty said that this, Lord, this child would be given the name the Lord saves. Could he somehow, some way be that long-awaited Messiah. So Gabriel had announced to her that she would bear this miracle son, that he would be the son of God, and that his name would be Jesus, the Lord saves. And then the angel declared that this child would be given the throne of David. And Mary knew what that meant. You see, she knew that was that covenant promise that God had made to King David so long ago, that one day there would be a king whose kingdom would never end. How overwhelming this encounter must have been. To be in the presence of an angel, but then to hear such weighty words. You're gonna bear a son, son of God. The Lord saves, eternal king. Perhaps she had the faith to embrace these words, these awe-inspiring words, because in these words, she heard echoes of the messianic prophecies that she had heard so often in the synagogue, such as the prophet we read about in Isaiah 9. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom from that time on and forever. And then in Jeremiah 23, the days are coming when I will raise up from David's righteous branch, a righteous descendant of King David's line, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. So how does Mary respond to this pronouncement? She responded with one question. I think I would have had a few more questions. 
She had one, and it was this. How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Mary would conceive by the creative power of the Holy Spirit, the same creative power of God that we read about in the opening chapters of Genesis. If you remember how God from the dust of the earth created man, but man did not become a living soul. There was no life until the breath of God, the Spirit of God was breathed in him. And the same breath of God, the same Spirit of God that had the power to create life in the beginning would create life in Mary and make this new beginning for humanity possible. But Mary had a choice. Because you see, God never takes away our ability to make choice. And although Mary only asked one question, at some point, Mary had to face a lot of questions. What is Joseph going to think? Will he believe that she is pregnant not by another man, but by the Holy Spirit? What will her parents think? What about this close-knit community? What will they say? Mary would have some questions that would be difficult to answer. Remember, the moral expectations in first-century Jewish culture was far different than they are today. It was a culture of honor and shame. So even in this miraculous moment, even if she didn't have time to formulate all of those questions, I believe Mary was aware that if she said yes, there would be a cost. That if she said yes to this divine plan for her life, there would be a cost. So what is Mary's choice? Luke 1:38. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her even though Mary had to know that if she said yes, there would be difficult days ahead, the blessing of being used by God far outweighed any adversity, any heartbreak, any challenges she would face. So her answer was, yes, Lord, your will be done. That is a remarkable response by a teenage girl. Amen. Now, six months later, an angel Gabriel had made another, I'm sorry, six months earlier, Gabriel had made a visitation once again to another Jewish person, this time to a man named Zechariah. He was an elderly priest married to a man named Elizabeth. Now at the time, there were 24 orders of priests that served in the temple in Jerusalem, and they would serve one week at a time. And as it would happen, Zachariah's order was on duty. And when lots were cast to determine which priest was going to have the honor to go into the holy place, into the sanctuary, and burns incense unto the Lord, Zechariah was chosen. And so it is as Zechariah enters into that holy place that the angel Gabriel appears to him. And this is what the angel said to him. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. This was an astonishing word for Zechariah, because for years he and Elizabeth had prayed for a child. 
but Elizabeth had been unable to conceive and now they were both old and they had given up any hope to have a child. And the angel continued. He will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. And like Mary, Zechariah had one question. How can I be sure that this will happen? I'm an old man now and my wife is well along in years. And the angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. And indeed, what the angel declared came to pass. Zechariah left that sanctuary unable to speak. He couldn't speak a word. And he didn't speak again until a miracle happened. You see, he went back home after his duty was completed and soon afterwards, Elizabeth became pregnant. And at that time, it's at the time when John, the baby, would be circumcised, the day that he would officially receive the name of John, that finally Zechariah is able to speak. And when he speaks, he begins to praise God for the salvation that was coming, that there was going to be one that his son John would prepare the way for. Because this is what Zechariah began to prophesy. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. And indeed, this infant son became the great prophet John the Baptist. Now, both Mary and Zechariah experienced an incredible visitation by the angel Gabriel. Both of them were told that they would experience a miracle, a miracle son would be born. And both of them asked a question. But here's a question many people have posed. Why did Zechariah, when he was, when he asked that question, why did Gabriel silence Zechariah? But when Mary asked a question, she wasn't silenced. Remember when Zechariah asked the question, Gabriel said, listen, I stand in the presence of God and because you didn't believe, you're going to be silent. Mary asked a question. She said, how, I'm a virgin. How, how is this going to happen? He didn't silence her. So what was the difference? The difference was Gabriel perceived that Mary's question wasn't wasn't an expression of her unbelief. It wasn't that she was asking for proof that it, was ha that it would happen. She was just asking for clarification. She wasn't asking about if it would happen. She was asking it about the how. And we know this because the answer that Gabriel gave her was all about how it would happen through the overshadowing power of the Holy Spirit. Whereas Zachariah's question is different. How can I know what you say is true. I'm an old man and my wife is also. You see, his question reflected his doubt. The reality of his wife's infertility and their old age had sabotaged their faith. And although there is a good reason to believe that Zachariah being silenced, it looks, as a, it looks like a rebuke. And some interpret it as a rebuke. 
But the more I looked at this exchange, the more I began to see it from a fresh perspective, from the perspective of grace. What was Zachariah's question? His question is, how can I know what you say is true? And by God's grace, God gave Gabriel the power to silence Zechariah. In other words, God gave Zechariah an answer to his question. Through the miracle of silence, silencing Zechariah's words, Zechariah would know that God's words would come to pass. They would not be silenced, that they would come to pass, that his words would be true. But what I found so powerful about this exchange is that God did not remove his plan from Zechariah's life because he had questions, because he had doubt, because he had unbelief. Instead, God gave him an answer, an answer to that unbelief. And I think that's such a powerful lesson for us, that just because we have doubts, just because we have questions, God isn't going to withdraw his plan for, his li for our lives that he will give to us what we need to bolster our faith, yes. right? He will give us an answer that, that we can come to him with our doubts. We can come with him, we can come to him with our questions. He isn't afraid of our questions. What he wants us to do is come to him with our questions. I find it so comforting that he will not withdraw from us his plans because we do have doubts because we do have questions. He's just saying, come to me with your doubts and your questions and I will give you what you need. I will give you what you need to have faith to believe. Amen. But what I find so remarkable about Mary is that she didn't need another sign. She didn't need another miracle to believe. This incredible word that God spoke to her she didn't need another answer. She just embraced the plan that God had for her life. You know, and when I look at Mary's faith, I am, I am so impressed because Mary, Mary didn't have a precedent for her faith. She didn't have a precedent of where she could look back in the scriptures, in the scrolls, where she could read about a time when there was another virgin girl whom God spoke to and met. And God said, you know, here, you're going to have a miracle son. There was no precedent for Mary. But there was a precedent for Zechariah. There was a precedent in the scriptures. He could have looked to Abraham and Sarah when an angel appeared to her, or appeared to Abraham when he was 99 and Sarah was 89. He could have looked to that precedent knowing that when they were elderly, when they were unable to conceive, how God had performed a miracle for them. He could have looked to the scriptures for precedent to bolster his faith, and we could do the same. We can look to the scriptures. We can look to the miracles that God has done in the lives of, of us in the past, what God has done for us, and that can bolster our faith. So again, what I see is, Mary's face was pretty incredible, right? It was pretty incredible. Here is this young teenage girl. She hears this remarkable message. She hears this remarkable message, and she believes it. She embraces it. 
even though she knew there would be difficult days ahead, the blessings of what God would do through her and in her was far greater than any sacrifice she would make. And she was able to embrace those words without a word of doubt, without a complaint. She just embraced the incredible, miraculous words of the Lord. That's pretty remarkable, right? For a teenage girl. Here is Zechariah, this, this priest who had read from the scrolls so often. But when he was asked for the word of God to be more than words he read on a scroll, when he was now challenged to embrace the miracle of God's words in his own life and the life of Elizabeth, that was much harder for him. You know, perhaps this is why when Mary went to visit Elizabeth, who was now six months pregnant, that she said this, Luke 1.45, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. The Lord blessed her for her faith. Do you hear that, church? He blessed her for her faith. So what was the source of Mary's strong faith? Well, certainly those words that Gabriel spoke to her echoed those messianic prophecies, but I believe there was something more. You see, when Gabriel first appeared to Mary, his first words were these, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Gabriel's first words to Mary was that she was favored, favored by God, and then he declared five faith-creating, five faith-anchoring, five faith-strengthening words, the Lord is with you. And for that truth, for that truth, that truth that Mary understood, that did have a precedent. You see, she would have known how God met Moses and gave him the assignment to be the leader who would bring the Israelites out of bondage, out of Egypt, one of the strongest nations on earth. And when Moses said, I don't think I can do this, God responded with, I will be with you, right? When Joshua was given the assignment, the divine plan to go into the promised land, even though there were giants in the land, and he was fearful, what did the Lord say to him? Be strong and courageous, for the Lord will be with you. Mary knew that. She knew what the Lord had spoken to these great men of God, that he would be faithful, he would never leave them, that whatever divine plan he had for their lives, that God would be with them and he would equip them to do what they could not do on their own strength. And I think when Mary received this divine plan, the reason she was able to say yes is one, she knew she was being favored by God with this plan, and the second thing she knew is that the Lord would be with her through it all. Amen. Now I'm feeling a little bit better. <laughs> you ready for this? God has a divine plan for you. He may not reveal his plan to you with an angel. I don't think so. 
and that plan will not be as world-changing as the plan God had for Mary, but I want you to know that God has a divine plan for each one of you. Look what Ephesians 2 says. For we are God's masterpiece. You are not an accident. You are not an afterthought. You are a masterpiece. You are part of his master plan. And he has created you anew in Christ Jesus. Amen? So you can do the good things he has planned for you long ago. He has good plans that he has planned for you. And understand that whatever divine plan God has for your life, it will require faith. It will require you to trust in him when you don't have, have all the answers. That even when you have doubts, it's still his plan. Even when the doors that he wants you to walk through are not easy to walk through, it's still his plan. And remember what Mary knew, that through it all, God would be with her. You see, that's the promise Jesus made to us. All of us who, are, who have acknowledged him as our Savior, the Son of God, the eternal King, Jesus declared, and be sure of this, I am with you always. Do you hear that? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so our response is this, and it must be, don't get nervous, I'm feeling fine now. <laughs> this is what our response must be. Whatever plan you have for my life, Lord, I am your humble servant. Let your will be done. And no matter my questions, no matter my doubts, I have the confidence to know that God will be with me. Amen? Would you bow your heads? We certainly don't worship Mary, but we can emulate her faith her obedience and her trust. That even in the difficult days, the difficult parts of his plan, that God will be with us. So this morning, if you want to say yes to whatever God has planned for your life, whatever divine assignments he has purposed for you to do and to accomplish, that even when you don't have all the answers, even when you know it may push you outside of your comfort zone, even if you know it will require sacrifice, this morning, if your desire is to say, yes, Lord, to your divine plan, Lord, I would challenge you to stand with me because I want God's plan for this season in my life. You know, maybe you can look back and say, well, I see what God's done and where he's led me. But people, church, we are in a new season. We are in a new season. And God has divine plans for each one of us to do. And he wants us to say, yes, Lord, I am your humble servant. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, we know that you are Savior. 
You are our Savior. You are the Son of the Most High. You are King of Kings. You are Lord of Lords. We believe today that you have a divine plan for this season of our lives, divine assignments, divine appointments. And especially, Father, because we know in this season there are so many who need the revelation of who Jesus is. Reveal to us your plans, O Lord. Empower us by your Holy Spirit. We reach out to you right now, Father, with extended hands, with extended hearts. We say to you, Lord, we are your humble servants. We are your humble servants. Let your will be done in my life. Let your plan in my life be fulfilled. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.